Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the Knit British podcast. Knit British loves to support wool that's been grown, spun or dyed in the UK and on this journey exploring all the connections of Britishness in wool and knitting, I am your host Louise Scully. On the podcast today I have a feature on meaningful knits and this is the beginning of a new semi-regular feature for Knit British where we have a look at the stories behind your stitches of your favourite handmade items. We'll be looking at the Breed Swatch Along and talking a little bit about Wovember and what's been happening on the Knit British blog this week. And also we'll be looking ahead to Edinburgh Yarn Festival and making some plans. All this and much more. So grab a whip, grab a drink. Mine is a delicious cup of coffee because I haven't had enough caffeine today. And let's get going. Knit British is proud to be sponsored by the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. Edinburgh Yarn Festival is Scotland's premier knitting event and is running next year from the 17th to the 19th of March. With workshops from world-class tutors such as Nancy Marchant, Amy Detjen, Isolde and Carol Feller. With a yarn-packed marketplace full of hand-picked vendors, with meetups, demos and the podcast lounge, Edinburgh Yarn Festival is truly a yarn lover's haven and a must on any yarn crafter's calendar. The event welcomed 3,500 visitors in 2015. Will you be there in 2016? There are still some class spots left, so to take a look or to sign up for email updates so you can be kept informed when the vendors are announced and the tickets go on sale, click on the logo in the show notes or visit www.edinyarnfest.com. Hello and welcome to episode 46 of the podcast. It is quite a nice, mild November day here as I look out my window. I can actually see a bit of blue in the sky, which is nice after quite a few days of of rain and gloom. How has it been where you are? It's lovely to have you over, whatever you're doing, whether you're sitting comfortably or doing about to do the housework or going for a run or going for a drive. However, whatever you're doing while listening to the podcast, I hope that you are ready for a packed show. Thank you so much for uh, your feedback on the last episode of the podcast. I did, I was fully aware that I was going to be enabling you. I said that from the outset, there was a disclaimer that there is heavy enabling and that I want to cast on all the things podcast went down really well and you really enjoyed it. And thank you so much for leaving me uh, messages and emails and comments telling me how much you enjoyed it and how uh, your Ravelry cues grew and you had to go and buy some fanta- some other fantastic yarns. Lots of love for the Chilla Valley Alpaca and Shetland Lambswool yarn as well that I reviewed uh, that's available from Brit Yarn. That was 
that was really nice. Lots of you saying how much you, you wanted to try that out and I could hardly recommend it. Thank you for your feedback on the blog this week as well. It's been a busy old time on the Knit British blog. I have had a little focus this month on natural gradients and designs which are designed in natural colours and also as the month wears on I'm going to be looking at more colourful designs and how you can play with with natural colour and you know natural colours well you know I wouldn't be any kind of wool lover or any kind of fan of British wools and and our sheepy friends if I didn't like natural colours and it's one of those things that um, I think that natural colours can sometimes be seen as bland or mute or whatever, but actually there are some fantastic patterns and designs which showcase natural gradients um, and the play of natural colours stri- strikingly and incredibly and it's been really nice that lots of you have got in touch to say wow I never thought I I would you know have it buy brown yarn but do you know what <laughs> I think I might <laughs> um, so that's been lovely and there's more to come on that on the Knit British blog at knitbritish.net also I've started a, another series this month called Kitsmas uh, it's all about your Kitsmas shopping. As you know, if you are a, a long-term listener and reader of the blog, um, I do a gift post or a series of gift posts every year around Christmas time that you can pass on to your loved ones uh, and give them some hints about the kind of gifts that we knitters might like. And this year I'm going to be concentrating solely on kits because kits are a really fantastic thing that we know we could go into a shop and we could buy the yarn and the pattern and a, and a nice little tote bag all separately. But getting it in one bundle is just a really, really, really appealing thing. And there are some cracking kits out there uh, and much better uh, and varied than the ones that you can find on the high street at this time of year, um, you know, in in department stores, which are usually really aimed at, at beginners and is a toy, is a toy or a a garter stitch stitch scarf or some sort of really easy design and and I know myself when I was at you know learning to knit those things did not appeal to me in the slightest. I did not want to knit a garter stitch scarf and I did not want to knit a toy. And um, there are lots of of designs out there that. The beginner knitters and advanced knitters um, can enjoy and they come from our fantastic indie designers and dyers and I'm going to be putting a focus on that on the blog throughout November and December and hopefully weekly on a Tuesday is kind of what I'm aiming for but um, that could change but uh, you could sign up at knitbritish.net for email updates so that you get those straight to your inbox and don't forget to forward them to your loved ones there's also going to be some giveaways as well and I've got um, two particularly cracking kit giveaways that's grown out of this so look out for those things for the podcast today uh, there are a couple of things I want to talk about and one of them is meaningful knits and I've been meaning to host a segment on this since the very get-go of the podcast actually It's so interesting to me, and I know so many of you out there listening, that 
There are stories in our handmade items, stories in, in the stitches of the things that we own or make. And it would be really nice to tell some of those stories, I think. And I mean, if you think of your favourite handmade or woolen item, just like kind of call that to mind. What is your favourite hand-knit item or woolen item? Did you make it? Was it made for you? If so, who made it? And if not, how did you come by it? These are just sort of a few questions, but you can already start to tell quite a big story from from some of those answers. You know, our our stitches, or the, the stitches that someone else knit for us can reveal such a lot. You know, maybe there is a special technique or a special stitch in that pattern and that's what holds the meaning. Maybe it's a lesson that you've learned about your yourself as a knitter. But maybe, you know, maybe the meaning or the story comes to the item later on and it's, you know, someone else comes along and places meaning on the item or a certain event or happening where you had that item with you it comes to stand as a remembrance for that you know it could totally change what that original hand-knit item meant to you so so the stories can change too and the meaning can change and and I do think that we put so much into our knitting you know if we're knitting something for ourselves or if it's something that we really want to tr- to try a new technique or or knitting a larger item if we've only ever knit small items that's that's really meaningful that's that's you know that's really important that that the time that we spend knitting those stitches becomes something that we will always be able to look back at and say I did that that was the first lace item I knit or the first time I used cables or the first time I knit something for just me. It's not just the thought or the love if you're knitting it for someone else or the meaning. We we even we even put physical parts of ourselves into the knitting. How many times have you looked at your knitting and you've seen a strand of your hair in there? Or heavens forfend, a pet hair. Um, even the, the you know the oil, the essence from from your hands goes into to knitting that. We put something of ourselves physically um, as well into the stitches that that we knit. And I really wanted to bring that into the podcast. And when I was at Shetland Wool Week, I did some recording, and I've got quite a few of these stories to bring you. But I just wonder how many of you are sort of nodding your heads, at, you know, what I've just been saying about, do you have an item that's that's like that? And, you know, I'd really love for you to think more about that over this little section and and think about if you want to talk to me about it. I would really love to help tell your knitted item story. As I say, crafting an item... We put so much into it and knitting an item is very much like creating a story in a way because every stitch is like a series of events which are unfolding and it's a momentum that sort of keeps us hooked and watching and waiting as our fabric grows to see how to see how it's going to end. And the Breed Swatch Long is, is like a story too in this way, isn't it? Because we cast on with our single breed yarn probably a yarn that we haven't knit with before and or certainly haven't 
knit with in this way before. So the story sort of begins and we set the scene by feeling the yarn in the ball and how it feels in our hands and discover through our exploration of knitting and washing and wearing. We watch to see if the story changes and how the fabric behaves and changes. And ultimately, if there is a happily ever after, you have a new yarn to love and add to your stash. And possibly you will never knit with another single breed yarn again without thinking about that swatch or if not consciously, without, you know, thinking about how we've explored wool together in this way. Stories in our knitting, I know that there there are, are lots. And when I was in Shetland, I spoke to one woman from Australia. Her name is Marilyn Healy. And her meaningful knitting project is many layered, like many of ours probably are, more layered than we, we possibly think on the surface of it. And this story is quite timely because Remembrance Sunday has just uh, has just passed and the 11th day. And Marlon was a knitter for the 5,000 Poppies Project, which some listeners might be aware of. Between 2014 and 2018, Australia is commemorating the Anzac centenary and 100 years since Australia's involvement in the First World War. And the aim was to plant a field of handmade poppies in Melbourne as a visual tribute. Of course, as we all know, the poppy is a symbol of loss and of hope. And 5,000 poppies truly began as a sort of community tribute of respect and remembrance. And as Marlon tells us about the project and, and her involvement in it and how it grew... It branched out into New Zealand and then poppies flooded in from all over the world. Well, it was a project in Melbourne, begun in Melbourne, Australia. It uh, eventually went worldwide called 5,000 Poppies. It has a website and a blog, so anyone can look up that, Google 5,000 Poppies. And uh, the story is quite remarkable. Two ladies who are sisters-in-law were, and they're both fibre artists, uh, intended to make uh, 120 poppies and yarn bomb um, a tree in what we call the Avenue of Honour at a big war memorial we call the Shrine in Melbourne. And word spread amongst family and friends and people said, we'll make some for you, we'll make some. So this was in 2013 and they decided to aim for 5,000 poppies for 2015 which is the 100th anniversary of the landing at Gallipoli, which is extremely significant to Australians and New Zealanders and other countries as well. Um, Word spread and word spread through social media and they ended up um, having people all over Australia sending bags and boxes of poppies. Uh, it, It went into all sorts of women's associations, it went into schools, it it went everywhere and then it spread worldwide. We had them coming to us from many different countries and such an honour. They were sent to us from Flanders, where the Flanders poppy grows, and even more wonderful, they were sent to us from Turkey, 
which was just That's, made wow. my heart go. I'm getting emotional talking yeah. about it. But we ended up with over 250,000 handmade poppies. It was an absolute honour and a privilege to be involved. Um, joining with so many other people in spirit in a great appreciation for what our troops did. Total privilege. Yeah, I have to say that. When Marlon spoke about poppies which came from Flanders and also the poppies which came from Turkey, the hairs really went up on the back of my neck. I don't know about you. Um, for, for those of you who don't know, the Gallipoli campaign in World War One, there were over 26,000... Australian and New Zealand casualties and almost 10,000 deaths. It's, a, it's hugely significant um, for, for Australians and New Zealanders. A great many more in the campaign um, who, who lost their lives or were, were wounded um, and affected by that. The act of knitting poppies to sort of plant as um, a remembrance is so poignant. And as Marilyn goes on to explain... Knitting the poppies was an act of personal remembrance, but also being part of something bigger and how it brought people together across communities, across countries and, you know, also online too. The lady who was doing most of the coordinating, her name is Lynn Berry, made the very good point that as it spread through uh, different communities, it brought people out of themselves. It enabled new friendships and connections to be made that are solid, that will last. Yes. Yeah. So it wasn't only the knitting, it was far wider than that. And you've brought one of the poppies to Shetland with you, haven't you? Yes, yes. And I'm going to place it at the Shetland Bus Memorial because I am in absolute awe of what those men did. Yeah. 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 It's incredible. Yes. Oh, Marlon, thank you so much. It's my pleasure. <laughs> the Shetland Bus Memorial statue commemorates the special secret operation group that in World War II ferried agents in and out of German-occupied Norway. And, oh, you know, just several stitches knitted into a poppy representing loss, remembrance and hope which connect different countries and different wars the World War I uh, Memorial in Australia and the Shetland Bus Memorial from World War II in Shetland. That's, those are an incredible few stitches, really. And I just want to thank Marilyn so much for sharing that with me and talking so enthusiastically about the project. And the 5,000 Poppies project is carrying on and they are going to be travelling to the Chelsea Flower Show next year, which is really exciting. And you can find out more. I'll put a link in the show notes, but you can find out more um, by Googling 5,000 poppies. And there are also patterns on Ravelry. If you have a meaningful knit with a story to tell, I'd love for you to tell me. You can send me an email, louise at knitbritish.net. There's also the Knit British podcast Skype. You can leave me a message. Describe the item, what it's made from, its shape, its design. Tell me where it came from, if you made it, who made it for you, if not, how you came by it, the details. 
about why it's meaningful to you and what the stories are in, in those stitches for you. I have a lot more meaningful knits, tales from Shetland to bring you as well and I do hope that you enjoy this segment as much as I have enjoyed finding out about the stories our knits can tell us. Now it's November and Edinburgh Yarn Festival is the 17th to the 19th of March 2016. So that is roughly 17 weeks away. Um, I know lots of you are already planning your Edinburgh Yarn Festival trip. I know there's lots of return visitors and lots of you planning the trip for the first time. And I think that there's a, quite a few of you who are still not quite sure if, you, if you're if you coming or not. You'd like to, but you're just not quite sure of lo the logistics of things. And that's fair enough. As I've said, it's 17 weeks away. But at the same time, 17 weeks is perfect time to start planning for your trip next year. And you know, the festival next year is being held from Thursday the 17th, when the classes begin, to Saturday the 19th with the marketplace and further classes on the Friday and the Saturday. So, you know, that's a really nice sort of long weekend if you're travelling from outside Edinburgh uh, for the festival and you can enjoy a weekend of yarny fun and also have time to enjoy Edinburgh too on the Sunday before you, you leave for home. This year, when the festival was on, I was living in Shetland and travelled to Edinburgh. I'm resident now, so I won't have to worry about finding an accommodation or anything like that, but I thought I might give you just a wee rundown of tips if you're coming to Edinburgh for the Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And it was about this time last year that we actually booked our accommodation as well, because you find that the earlier you book, the nicer the, the discount can be. But we'll come to accommodation. Uh, firstly, I'd say if you haven't already, then sign up for the email newsletter at edinyarnfest.com so that you can know exactly when tickets go on sale and when the vendor list goes live. Uh, I would also normally say make sure you grab your preferred class from the Kraken list of tutors and workshops, but almost everything is sold out. It's incredible, isn't it? There are waiting lists, so if there is a class that you really, really want to do, you could add your name to the waiting list and pray to the Yarny gods for a cancellation. <laughs> but yeah, I think, think that's your first indication, if you actually need one, that Edinburgh Yarn Festival is a really exciting event because people are clamouring over one another to get uh, places in those fantastic classes. So I suppose if you know you want to go to Edinburgh, you need to decide if you can do it in a day trip or if you need to arrange travel and accommodation. As far as trains go, uh, in the UK that is, uh, you can get usually get very cheap tickets or much cheaper tickets if you book 12 weeks before your date of travel. Now I make that around... 24th of December which is Christmas Eve so that might not be at the top of your list of priorities to remember to check the trains 
so mark it in your calendars now <laughs> um, because you never know you could get yourself a really nice deal and, and you don't want to miss out on that because the trains are expensive and you know the cheaper tickets they apply to first class tickets too and what could be nicer than traveling to Edinburgh in first class accommodation. Uh, in terms of accommodation there is already a really good where to stay thread in the Edinburgh Yarn Festival Ravelry group and if you're not already a member of that go over there and, and join up there's lots of great chat. Uh, when uh, we travelled to Edinburgh for the festival this year we stayed at the Ibis on Southbridge and it's just around the corner from a bus that goes straight to the Corn Exchange. Um, and as a Club Accor member, we got a discount on top of our early booking discount. So um, it was a really, really quite a nice deal. And it's a very nice hotel, very comfortable, very clean, free Wi-Fi 24 hours, um, really nice, helpful staff. Very, very, very nice hotel. I can also recommend... Um, the Premier Inn Hotels in Edinburgh. My goodness, I'm really sounding like I frequent hotels in Edinburgh. It's just after like years of travelling between Shetland and Edinburgh and I've stayed at a lot of hotels because of that. Um, but the Premier Inns in Edinburgh are particularly the ones on Prince Street and Lauriston Place and at Haymarket at Morrison Link. They're all, they've all got really good bus links to the venue. I think um, the one on Princess Street is a really new one. Uh, the one on Lauriston Place and the one at Haymarket have recently been refurbished and they've new beds and things. And I always find Premier Inn is a really nice place to stay. And uh, again, you get free Wi-Fi. The staff are always really nice. I always think that they always have that good night guarantee that if you, you know, so they're always keen to know how you enjoyed your stay. There's also uh, a really, really nice Premier Inn out at the Western Harbour at Leith. But that's not quite so a direct bus route. Um, I'm trying to think of places here that have got direct bus routes. Although it's Edinburgh and Edinburgh is really traversable, whether on foot or by bus. And you guys are pretty savvy. You know, if you know that you can you know, jump outside and get in a bus, that's fine. But I know there are a few more of you who are a bit more intrepid than that and don't mind staying a bit further out and getting a couple of buses. And the, there's a um, Premier Inn. Um, in Leith, which is which is really nice as well, and tends to be a little bit cheaper as well. Um, but yeah, I can I can recommend those. And if you are looking for something even cheaper, um, and just somewhere to lay your head, there are quite a lot of travel lodges in Edinburgh. And I know a lot of people um, visiting last year stayed stayed in those. Um, the only one I've stayed in recently in my great hotel staying expeditions <laughs> uh, is the travel lodge on Muse Lane which is just behind Princess Street um, and it's one of the newer travel lodges uh, there's a bit of building work going on around there at the moment which I don't know whether it'll be um, finished or not by by March but um, it was it was certainly nice and again the travel lodges are all pretty central and you could get really grab any bus that would take you to to the Corn Exchange and of course Airbnb is a great option especially if you're coming with friends or you're bringing your family and you, to come to the capital Airbnb would be a perfect solution to find a flat um, or a house or a series of rooms for you but I do think that it's a good idea to book your accommodation with plenty of time well ahead of the event even if you you know you're coming and you haven't booked your travel yet just book your hotel. There are a lot of people 
um, coming to Edinburgh for Edinburgh Yarn Festival. And as I say, get over into the Edinburgh Yarn Festival Ravelry group and have a look in that accommodation thread. There's also some locals who have given their sort of ideas of great places to stay as well. And you might get some hints and tips. The venue, of course, Edinburgh Yarn Festival, is being held at the Corn Exchange for the second year in a row. This is a venue with a long successful track record of hosting events and concerts and conferences and um, all sorts of things. Although I think Edinburgh Yarn Festival is their first foray into yarny pursuits. At the venue, there is a massive marketplace uh, which held over 100 vendors this year all hand-picked for your yarny delectation. The classes and workshops are also held in this building, along with other venues in a very short walking distance from the Corn Exchange. And in addition to the marketplace and the classrooms, there is a massive breakout area. Plenty of coffee and pastries and cakes and sandwiches, a really nice meeting area, just somewhere where you can um, spend some time between shopping and classes, there's also a really nice public cafe that's part of the Corn Exchange called Bert's. It's open to the public. It's not just open for events. Uh, and they had some really nice um, lunch type type menus outside the Corn Exchange. There aren't a lot of eateries that, that we found in the immediate area. There's a McDonald's and an Asda's across the road. But a nice short bus ride will take you to find more more eateries. I think I joked in the podcast um, <laughs> after Edinburgh Yarn Festival this year that I nearly had to take Hazel Tyndall for a Big Mac because um, we were looking for somewhere to go bef- after immediately after the Corn Exchange closed and before the evening's entertainment back at the Corn Exchange. We were looking for, myself and Jenny Reed and Hazel Tyndall were all looking for somewhere to eat and we were walking for ages and we couldn't seem to find anywhere anywhere um, suitable to eat. And I did think, oh my goodness, I might have to take Hazel Tyndall, the world's fastest knitter, for her first ever Big Mac. We managed to find an Indian. It was good. It was all, <laughs> it was fine. Um, of course, in addition to the marketplace and the classrooms and the breakout areas and the fantastic coffee and cakes there is the podcast lounge yes back for a second year i am once again hosting the podcast lounge a place for laid-back knitting and chatting and meeting but also a place to meet your favorite podcasters take part in some of our informal sessions uh this year we had some wool tasting sock surgeries a talk about the great tapestry of scotland with louise hunt from the Caithness and Scraft collective um joe in addition to the sock surgery joe shiny bees had session on uh running your own craft business and you know the sessions were just a little taste of what you could expect from the podcasters shows i think that's really important you know there are a lot of yarny events there are podcaster meetups that are sort of arranged on social media edinburgh yarn festival are the only yarn festival who have given a specific place up for meeting and chatting with your favorite podcasters and for other podcasters to meet one another and, and do a bit of networking and the sessions and the content in the podcast lounge is all to give you a flavour of um, our individual podcast shows I guess and and what you can expect if you if you aren't already a listener and um, oh we what else did we have we had 
uh, door prizes, we had a Geeky Girls Photo A Day Challenge, we had on the couch interviews, and there will be a programme of events next year too, and lots of podcast news will be forthcoming. I already have some exciting things locked in, so do watch this space. Um, one of my favourite things I have to say is at the Edinburgh Yarn Festival this year when they opened the doors, people came rushing in and some people went straight to the marketplace and other people sought out the podcast lounge and just came to have a little chill, decide what they were going to do, listen to Louise Hunt talk about her involvement in the Great Tapestry of Scotland, just have a little bit of a chillaxing morning before heading out to the to the, to the shops and the classes and uh, that was quite nice for me to see, see people coming in the door and then heading up to the podcast lounge that was that was lovely of course this year there was evening entertainment with the fantastic knit sonic cabaret i'm not sure yet if there's going to be anything similar next year i haven't heard though i have asked but if you are going to be coming to edinburgh then really the city is your oyster you know there's lots of things to do uh, there there are pubs there are theaters i think the crucible is going to be on at the lyceum legally blonde is going to be on at the king's theater the tom jones musical people is going to be on at the festival theater and at the playhouse there's going to be an 80s invasion tour with Nick Hayward and Curiosity Killed the Cat. If all that is just too, too much excitement for you, in addition to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival, sorry, being so cheeky. I love Curiosity Killed the Cat. Uh, <laughs> oh dear, it was all going so well. If you're not interested in theatrical or musical pursuits. There are some great pubs in Edinburgh and some great eateries too. So you should check out the list. Um, the list is a really good place to find out what's going on, when it's going on, and also they have a really great food guide as well. Um, I could probably have a podcast all about food in Edinburgh. Maybe I'll do that one day. But yeah, there's if, if you are thinking about coming to Edinburgh for the Yarn Festival and it's your first time, there is just such a lot to look forward to. And, you know, one of my most abiding memories of Edinburgh Yarn Festival this year was just the amazing community and that I really felt part of a shared experience of knitters, crocheters, weavers, all kinds of crafters, you know, brought together for an incredible and very unique yarn event, I would say. You know, we all came for yarn or classes or both, but there was a real strong feeling of connectedness of friends, crafters, cheaters, makers, artists, podcast hosts and podcast listeners and vendors. And it was just really fantastic to feel so much part of that it was it was incredible actually and i mean that as a festival goer as well as somebody who is uh, a little bit involved with with the edinburgh yarn festival i know there are lots of you who who can't make it to edinburgh you live too far away and it's a bit expensive or it's just not possible for you for you to visit but but if you can then then think about it and if you have been wondering about attending and and you're not you weren't sure i hope i've i've sort of helped you make up your mind a little bit and that I will see you there. 
And if you are going, what on earth are you going to knit? Because that's one of my favourite things about wool events is seeing people with their hand knits on. And quite often people have knitted them, especially for the event. Although my vertebrae that I cast on for Edinburgh Yarn Festival 2015 didn't get finished until June 2015. <laughs> um, but I started a thread on the Edinburgh Yarn Festival Ravelry group asking people what they were planning to knit. And I think, hopefully, I will have finished my Scully cardigan by then. My goodness, I really hope I finished it by then. Um, and Cardi seemed like a popular choice. Uh, Organiser Joe Kelly is thinking of knitting a tambourine by Julie Farwell Clay, which is in Pom Pom magazine um, and last year. And that's that's gorgeous cardigan um, with beautiful um, textured stitches uh, panels down the front. Uh, Joy of Chicks, uh, which is a fantastic Ravelry name, is thinking of knitting a leaving cardigan by Anne Hansen. Uh, Wild Cedar hopes to knit a Firth of Forth by Kate Davies. And they is going to try the Wink cardigan, which I had never seen before. It's by Hannah uh, Masajuska and it's got incredible cable and detail on it. In fact, actually, all of the cardies mentioned there have lovely texture in them. Maybe this is a wee Edinburgh Art Festival 2016 trend. <laughs> but socks and sweaters and shawls are also on the Edinburgh Art Festival knit lists. Um, so head on over to the Edinburgh Yarn Festival group on Ravelry and tell us what you're going to knit for, for March. I always just think it's it's so lovely to see hand knits on show. And, you know, it's it's so great because events like that, you can go up, you just, you would never walk up to somebody on the street and sort of stroke their suit and say, oh, this is fantastic, did you make it yourself? But, <laughs> but, but in a yarn festival, it's totally acceptable to go up to someone and, uh, you know, <laughs> think finger a shawl edging or, or feel a cuff or stroke an arm and say, oh, this is fantastic. What pattern is it? When did you make it? And again, it's storytelling. It's, you know, those are the items that tell the story of the places that we've been. And I just, I love it. I, I love seeing those hand knits. And I, I love if they've been, to hear that they've been knit, especially for, for the occasion. Don't forget, you can sign up for the email newsletter at edinyarnfest.com for the most up-to-date news. And you could follow them on social media as well. They are, I think they are the hardest working yarn festival in terms of social media. They have never stopped tweeting uh, or you know Instagramming or anything like that. Um, and do watch this space here at Knit British for more Edinburgh Yarn Festival and Podcast Lounge news too. The Breed Swatch Along. Um, oh, wow. I want to, to thank everyone who's recently joined in with Swatch Along after reading about it on November or, or read about it on Claire Devine's blog or heard about it on the Curious Handmade podcast. Thank you so much to everyone who is spreading the good Swatch Along word and joining in. And there's lots of swatching going on and lots of chat in the Knit British Ravelry group. And I'm loving reading the ongoing test drive notes in the individual project pages that are linked to the chat. And so far we've had Jacobs, 
Jacobs and Herdwick and North Ronaldty and Wensleydale and Suffolk and Teeswater and Castle Milk Moodit and Norfolk Horn and Gotland and Leicester Longwools and Lanwenog and Navajo Churro and Icelandic Wool, Manx, Shetlands, Rylands, Paul Dorset, um, even British Lavender, which is a new sort of cross uh, breed of, of British sheep and... It's all being swatched in the group and I know that there are more people out there who are taking part in the bead swatch along but aren't connecting the group yet. Um, but who are drying in and, and swatching single breed wool so that's fantastic. I have one of my finished swatches here. I've been swatching with Suffolk um, with an, a pure Suffolk Arran which came from Pembrokeshire in Wales and I knit it on 4.5 millimeter needles. I'll, well let's go through my, my swatch notes so far. I, I still have to do one last wash block and wear. I cast on 40 stitches on 4.5 millimeter needles and just knit stocking it with a garter edging. The hand squish grab the wool feels crunchy, springy and rustic. And knitting with it, there were some additions of little twigs and things that were quite scratchy. But the ply is really, really smooth and uh, um, quite a springy, springy yarn and knitted really smoothly. I knit the swatch roughly 8 by 8 The feel of the unwashed swatch before I soaked it was very, quite a dry yarn. Um, so again, smooth stitch definition, but definitely a rustic feel, which reminds me of woolen jumpers from the 80s. I don't know if that makes any sense to anybody, but that's how that's how wooly it is. If we're using the word wool as a term to describe. When I washed the swatch, it took ages to sink in the water. And I think it's because the wool of the Suffolk is so dense. Um, I think that's possibly why it took a while to soak in, which makes me think that it won't be a wool that would felt readily as well, possibly. Because of that, I blocked out the dimensions and left it to block for quite a while actually, left it pinned out. And then when it was dry and I, I unpinned it and I just left it flat just, just to see if there was any change to the to the to the fabric after it had been unpinned, if it you know shrunk any and it didn't um, shrink at all, the feeling of the swatch is very stretchy. There's a lot of elasticity in it. It still feels very dry though. It still feels very. I wore the swatch because it's really important to wear the swatch somewhere on your body, so you know what it feels like, and you can also know of the if the fabric changes any from, from wearing. And so I wore mine on my shoulder, sort of tucked underneath my bra strap, which is really funny because people are finding all um, different ways of wearing their swatches. Um, there was a real distinct little prickle against the skin and it did not subside. Uh, I was It wasn't itchy, it wasn't itchy, but it, uh, there, were, it, there was a prickle there that I felt the whole time that I was wearing it. I was always aware that it was there. But there has been no sign of pillin or felting or any kind of halo uh, after that wear test. And it still maintained its shape. It's still very stretchy, but it's, as I say, it's very dry. I don't know if you can hear if I rub it against itself.
it is slightly, it is uh, a very woolly yarn and um, it's, while I was knitting with it, I noticed that it had that great sheepy stickiness because I dropped stitch a couple of times. It just stayed where it was. It'll be very interesting after another wash test and another wear test to see if it changes at all. But already I'm thinking that it's not the kind of yarn that's going to felt very readily. I don't think, um, considering I wore it in a place that gets a lot of action, um, you know, shoulders, knitting, cleaning, you know, all that kind of thing. You know, as I say, I could, I could always feel, feel that it was there, but I would have thought that in that place, if there was going to be any bobbling or anything, um, that's where it would be. Traditionally, on my knitted jumpers, I quite often get bobbling across the chest and under the arms, but there was none on this. So we'll, we'll, we shall see. We'll see if it stays the same. Um, I already think that this would be a fantastic yarn for socks. Um, because of that great elasticity of it, and because it seems a really durable yarn... But Suffolk is not a breed yarn that you find a lot of. And when I was um, researching yarn for the swatch along, I was looking to see if this Suffolk yarn could be found anywhere else. And I can't find it at all now. As I say, this particular yarn was bought for me uh, from Jane's of Fishguard last year. I have no idea if it's still available. I did try getting in contact with the shop, but I haven't heard back. So, um it's possible that there is a good source of fibre out there for hand spinners. I would be really interested to know if you've knit anything in Suffolk wool, if you've come across it, um, and what what you, you found from knitting with it. There is, of course, Suffolk cross wool that's available. But because this is a breed swatch along and it's single breed wool, then there is no blends or crosses to be included but uh, little houndsdales yorkshire wolds have their own suffolk cross yarn i think it's only available in the natural colorway um but nothing in terms of pure suffolk but i'd love to know if you have found it and if you've knitted or spun with it how you found it to be i will keep you informed of my little suffolk swatch and i also have a teaswater swatch uh uh, which I am also test driving. I'm going to talk a little bit about that on the November website. But that is the new single breed, single flock yarn from Chopped Ginger. It's not on the website yet, but it is Teaswater yarn from Yorkshire. Big spoiler alert, it's pretty incredible. It's like knitting with spun rustic silk it's gorgeous it's incredible so look out for on the november website for that and of course i am going to be sharing some of your test drive uh, reviews on november and if you haven't already seen it sue blacker from blacker yarns did a great post with me uh, this week at, at november.com about her favorite characterful breed yarns for swatching with so it's really interesting and if you take part in our Wovember Wool Along and our Instagram photo competition, you have the uh, opportunity to win a prize that Sue's donated, which is her top six yarns that she mentions in that post. Of course, if you are 
Fin if you finished a swatch, you could take a picture of it and enter it in for our November Wool Along or our November Wow. You can post it on Twitter or Instagram using the hashtag November Wow, W A L, or you can post a picture in our November Ravelry group. And if you're on Instagram, you can also take part in our November photo contest if you use the hashtag November 2015 for any images of wool full stop it doesn't have to be your finished swatch um, it could be a swatch in progress using that hashtag on Instagram gets you automatic entry into that competition and um, keep your woolly eyes peeled on November.com because we will be revealing prizes uh, in due course and there is a lot of more content to come and thank you so much for your wonderful feedback that we've already had this year um content's been incredible this year and we've had such a phenomenal amount of contributions that we've had to say that we can't accept anymore because there's there are so many of you out there who are motivated to write about wool and that's incredible and it's incredible that on the 4th of November we had to say, please send no more because we were, we've were we been inundated. So thank you so much for for sharing the November posts and um, and contributing and commenting. And um, it, it, it's really, it really means a lot to us. Um, to me and Felicity, rule means a great deal. And it's really important for us to explore all the facets of wool from sheep to yarn, to finished object, and all the people involved um, in between, including small businesses and you, the yarn buyer. And also this year, we have a focus on trying to close the gaps between small businesses and yarn buyers. So if you haven't already, then do go over to wovember.com and catch up with some of the posts there. And on the topic of related topic to the swatch along and November, I'm going to be at the Queen of Pearls in Glasgow on Saturday the, 20, Saturday the 28th of November, where owner Zoe is hosting a charity event uh, for the big issue Knitathon. They're asking for donations of knitted items, hats, scarves, cowls, mitts, etc. And 8 by 8 inch squares, knitted or crocheted. The knit items will be distributed to Glasgow's big issue vendors to keep them warm this winter. And the squares will be knit into blankets for the homeless. And I'm going to be there with my British breed yarns and swatches so you can have a feel of them and do some yarn tasting. Anybody who came to my session at Edinburgh Yarn Festival, you'll know um, what to expect. So come and have a try of some British breed wools and you can ask me anything about the swatch long in November. And in addition to that, Leona from Fluff is going to be there with some rusty ferret hand dyed yarns. Ginger Twist Studio is going to be there with her hand-dyed yarns. Owl Print Pandas Amanda Collins is going to be there. And Jules Billings, who is Woolen Flower, is going to be there with Wool Cowls and her Tweed Pouches. There's also going to be Mulled Wine and Mince Pies for a donation and a raffle too. And that's all from 12 till 5 on November the 28th. And that's it for, for this podcast. Don't forget to visit www.knitbritish.net for all that content that I was telling you about at the beginning of the show. We've got the series on natural gradient yarns and designs and the Kitsmas blog posts, which will be going out 
weekly on a Tuesday to help you with your Christmas shopping. A fantastic kits that knitters will love and that knitters will want to buy themselves as well as be being gifted um, for Christmas. So um, there's all that. Um, before we go, I have to say hellos and I've been really remiss and not had a hello section for ages. So hello to new kids in the Knit British Ravelry group. Hello Selkit, who is Katrina from London. Tippy Toes, who is Jackie from Atherton. Trumpkull, who is Amy from Massachusetts. C. Uh, Tinan, who is Christina from Ware. Kisho from the UK. And Little Acorn, who is Jane from Uppingham. And in the hellos thread, I am I am very sorry, and I have been so so remiss that I haven't um, said hello or read out any messages from the hellos thread. But in there, we've got needles and spindles from Melbourne, Australia, who has come over uh, to be enticed by the swatch along because she loves using breeds local to her in Australia. And we also have apple cake from Illinois, Erica Eccles from Norwich, K Y Spinner from Kentucky. Patricia Frankel from North Carolina, 100 Projects from California, uh, Dolly, Alma Cat, Being Knitterly, Chicken Chick, have to say that carefully, Francesca Hughes and Muddy Sheep HQ, who are all based in the UK, and Kath USKA or Kath Uska from uh, Vienna, and anyone else who said hello in the hello thread. Since the last time I had a hello segment, which was ages ago, I'm so sorry, but hello to all of you and thank you so much for taking the time to leave a message in the hello thread. I know some people are bored lurkers and don't tend to leave messages, so I really do appreciate it when you do and I do read them despite not having read them out on the podcast for a while. And I have to say a big hello and a huge hug to my old mucker, Tracy Wishart, who found the podcast and is a mad knitter now, which is... A big development since the last time I saw her, but there have quite a lot of big developments since the last time I saw her because she now has a husband and a wee wishart. So um, it's been a long time since I saw the lovely Tracy, but it's lovely to hear from you. Um, I'm back on the 27th with a yarn review of West Yorkshire Spinner's Illustrious, a book preview of In the Footsteps of Sheep, and don't forget there's an Eden Cottage Yarns giveaway. Uh, on the blog and more giveaways coming up very soon i'm gonna have to remember which which giveaway ends when because <laughs> there's quite a few but until then i hope you are well i hope you are enjoying november and the breed swatch along and whatever you are getting up to i wish you many happy stitches and until next time take good care bye for now